Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. I'm Jackie Simmons, your host, and I'm super happy that you're here, especially right now. See, we're waking up the world, and we're waking up the world in the most emphatic way that we can, because right now we're going to go into the world of zero tolerance at a time when people are preaching tolerance and preaching all kinds of things about tolerance as being the way to having a peaceful society. I'm going to introduce you to another side of tolerance with Isabel Mercier. We're going to be talking about the power of zero tolerance. So hang on. This ride's going to be interesting. So Isabel, join me in the studio. There you are. You like that? I do. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> I think this is going to be a hoot. Okay. First, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, or more accurately, the goldfish in the room, the one <laughs> behind you. Yeah. So this is the attitude that caught my attention when we first met. It was like, that's a goldfish with a shark fin. I mean, that's a goldfish with some attitude. That's yeah. right. That's right. And that's what it's about mindset, right? Mindset is truly everything. If a little goldfish can position him or herself as a shark, um, that's, that proves a lot about mindset. Mindset is everything. And we do, we talk a lot about mindset in the work that we do on a regular day to day. I get that. All right. So I am willing to go wherever this conversation goes. So I'm just going to put that out front. So we are going to take off the sensors. We're going to take off the gloves and we are going to recognize that there's an attitude here. And I just want to go, I want to put you in the way back machine. What was it before it became zero tolerance for you? What was life like? What was life like? You know, Ah, oh my God. Um, I've been raised in a family of very audacious people. Ooh. And audacity, for me, you know, the world is an audacious adventure. And, um, and I remember this is where the, not, the zero tolerance have started. I was nine years old. And uh, I remember truly being bullied and... Um, my mom taught me a lesson, very important lesson, one particular day. I was coming back from school and uh, I, I said to my mom, and you can watch that in, on, my, on my TED talk, my mom, I, the phone rang and I knew it was gonna be someone I didn't wanna talk to and I just said, no, I'm not, I'm not here. And she taught me a, a great lesson that day and she, you know, she said to me, as you know, very early, eight years old, nine years old, she said, Isabel, if you can't say no to what you don't want, You'll never have the time and the energy for what you do want. I, Jackie, this, this did something to me. It really, really did. And so as of, as of a young age, I became very curious about understanding what causes worry versus what causes units of happiness. And, and truly, this is where I started learning a lot about tolerating and and having the least amount of tolerance possible leads to the least amount of worry possible but whoa whoa, whoa. that's a quotable pause all right the least amount of tolerance leads to the least amount of worry 
So this is what I've uncovered over years of being obsessed with what causes units of happiness versus what causes worry. And over the years, I literally, I discovered that, or I uncovered, because nothing is not invented, it's already there, you just have to see it a different way. I uncovered that for everything that I worried about, most everything was directly linked to something that I'm tolerating. Something I should have said no to when I said yes. Um, a, a leaky faucet, a remote that doesn't work, uh, children or, or nephews that don't listen, or whatever the, whatever the tolerating is, whatever I'm tolerating, I know for a fact that it will convert itself in worry 100%. Now, I'm not saying all worry leads always from toleration. What I'm saying is everything you're ever tolerating will for sure lead into worry. So instead of wondering how do we worry less, what's, what's a trick for that, right? That's one. What you tolerate, you will end up worrying about. So the key is to look at what you're tolerating, big or small, and tackle those things. Sometimes it's having a having a brave and a brave conversation. Sometimes it's, you know, there's so many things and we're, we're used to tolerating. Sometimes we don't even know Jackie that we're tolerating. Right. I absolutely agree with you there. So, so we're going to have a good time with this because understanding what tolerating feels like, you know, the, what, what we can discover about tolerating, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. All right. So when did you first, well, all right, now I have to ask, I have to go back to the day in the kitchen with the phone call and your mom, who's like, not buying into this, what happened? Yeah, we had a fantastic conversation that night and it was a conversation. No, no, no. What happened in that moment? Yes. In that moment. Okay. In that moment, I took the phone call. I, my throat was in my heart was in my throat. I was panicking because I did not want to talk to this person. I did not want to face her. I did not want to put myself in this shit show. I didn't want it. And I felt like I was, I was mad initially because I thought my mom didn't have my back. Right? I asked her no, and she didn't have my back. She held me to the fire, and I did not appreciate this in the moment. <laughs> afterwards, afterwards, so I did have the brave conversation. I, this, the event, it, there was a big many week lead up to this event of phone call, which freaked me out. Um, I didn't want to go to school and I love school. If any, if, if any of you know me, you know that I'm a diligent student. I love school. And I was at a point where I didn't want to go to school anymore. I was panicking. I was afraid. I was afraid of getting beat up on the way to school. Literally, that's what it was. And, um, and, but basically this bully had asked me that if I wanted to be in her camp, I needed to steal a pack of cigarettes at the corner store. And I, again, I tell the story in my TEDx, I did not want to steal anything. And, but you know, I didn't want to not be in, not be in, but I didn't want to also do that. So my mom said to me, she hit the phone like this and she just said, face it, 
You gotta, you gotta have these, you gotta be able to have these brave, difficult conversations. And if you don't stand up for yourself, and if you don't say no, when you mean to say no, your life is about to take a very different turn, you little girl, you know, young one, <laughs> a little grasshopper. And, um, and, and I, I took care of that conversation. I, it was hard. I was, I had difficulty speaking out loud. I cried during the phone call, but I will tell you, Jackie, at the end, she, this bully completely had a, a moment of awakening. Now she didn't convert herself to a, to an amazing friends overnight, but she, there was a conversation there. Um, and after the phone call, my mom and I had a, I don't, I, what feels to be six hour conversation. I feel like we went late into the night and we talked about all of the, the things that I want to do. I don't want to do the things that I feel like I should do and I'm forced to do. And it worries me, but I don't want to do them. And she basically gave me a golden key and that golden key was a, a vi I'm very visual. So that golden key was I'm holding the golden key and I decide when I want to do something. And when I don't, I decide when it's good for me and when it's not. I'm the one who holds the key, not other people, not the external world. I do. So that was a good visual. That's a good visual. And it's dicey for me. Okay. It's dicey. I'm like, on this dicey here as a parent. Yes. And at nine years old, she's saying you can decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Now, there, were there any parameters around of that? Of course, for sure. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, I come from a family of, of um, um, pitching. You know, I had to pitch ideas and I had to position. This is why I'm such a great positioner today. This is what I do now for a living is help entrepreneurs and, and businesses and people uncover their secret sauce and own their genius. But yes, there was some really strict, my mother was actually very strict, very strict parameters but allowing me to have adult conversations. I, I was raised in a hairdresser salon as well. I, I, hang, I hung out with adults day in and day out. To have the conversations, to ask the questions and to know when something feels right and when something doesn't feel right. And then came along other lessons of, it doesn't mean it doesn't feel right that you don't have to do it in terms of, you know, if it's helping your brother, well, if it doesn't feel right because you're busy today, you still have to help your brother. But it was in, in the lessons of what I am tolerate, what I am choosing to tolerate will for sure lead to a certain amount of worry in your life. Hmm. All right. So um, having tolerated a lot of things in my life, as a matter of fact, I was told, and I decided this is what extreme toleration looks like. I was in the emergency room. They were trying to reposition my foot back onto my leg bones. Aye. And the doctor said, you're really stoic. And I realized that that's not how I want to be in an emergency room. That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, but I realized that's extreme toleration. And, and so there's this line kind of between extreme toleration or just total acceptance. And I kind of flip back and forth on that one a lot. Toleration is 
not the opposite of acceptance. But it's something in there for me, and I'm not sure what it is. So take us further down this journey. We understand that what we tolerate is going to produce worry. Mm -hmm. So if we're worried, we can look at what we're tolerating. But it's not the only thing that produces worry. But, but tolerations do produce worry. So totally, absolutely, toleration. So I'm with you so far here. Yes, but yeah, zero toleration is was it was, that was such a, a compelling concept. To yes. Me. So what I mean by that, Jackie, is we have choices. There are things we cannot control, right? There are things that we do need to accept. If I lose a loved one, I've lost my brother and my father to drug addiction. There's uh, to, to alcoholism or drug addiction. There's obviously there's things that I cannot control. There are things that I have to accept or that I choose to accept. You're absolutely right. Acceptance is freedom. Tolerating for me is something that you can choose differently, but you don't. Sometimes because you don't even know you're tolerating. Some people, stay in in a job that they absolutely hate for 25 years some they people don't see it as toleration they see it as their job to do that job to provide for their family that's correct and and i i see that as yes there's part job part it might be acceptance but no when there's acceptance there's a freedom about it mm -hmm. something that you're tolerating there's a nag about it there's a, le there's a level of unfulfillment. There's a level of, of um, yeah, I, I can only view it as a nag. It's something that is not 100%. It's not something that you want 100%. It's something that you feel you should do, that you, you feel like there's a should or a would or a could. To me, those things are, they dim the life force out of someone. They dim the light, right? They dim the spark. So having had a lot of people in my family being in, in addiction, I've learned very early on that, that beautiful prayer of you know, acceptance and, and being able to accept what cannot be controlled. Mm. And there are so many things in our lives that we don't think we have a control over or a say in when we actually do. All right, to tell the story, what is the story that goes with that statement? The things that we don't think we have control over, but we actually do, that we can do something about. I mean, this could look so in, in a thousand different ways for a thousand different people. You know, I, again, the, the example of, you know, I am, I think I should be doing this. I think that I would be doing this. I think I have to stay in this job because it's safe, as opposed to because it sparks me, as opposed to because it allows me to create more impact. There are thousands of stories of people. I have someone, a friend of mine, when I prepared for my TED talk, um, a friend of mine, she, I, I was looking for stories of what people have tolerated and some of their habits and some of their ways of thinking and what they worried about. One friend of mine said she's never traveled anywhere because she's afraid that she's going to be seen and she's a little bit, she consider herself a little bit overweight. 
She's a beautiful human being, strong and healthy. But she stops herself from going to places, from traveling, from doing things because she worries about how she's going to feel, how others are going to perceive her. And now I'm not saying that that's not a valid fear. They're, they're, all worries are valid. They're all valid. All fears are valid. Where I'm talking about are the things that you're wanting to change. You don't always know you're wanting to change, but you're wanting to change because you're unfulfilled or you're unhappy or you're stopping yourself from living fully. And by fear of what others are going to think, what others are going to say, or fears of, of disappointing your parents, your husband, your Let's wife. Your the children. one analogy. You got me hooked on this story. Okay. So her fear that was keeping her from traveling, her worry, she was worried about being seen. Yes. What was she tolerating? She was tolerating not giving herself the space and the self-love and the understanding that she needed to be able to do these things. She was tolerating the, the thought of other people's thinking over her own happiness. Those things were stopping her from moving the needle forward, from living what she really wanted to live. Does that make sense? That's making sense. And so I, was, I wanted to make sure because one of the places that you could have gone with that was that she was tolerating a, a less than happy weight for herself. Um, that, that could be, and, and that's for her to judge, but truly it could be for some people that could be that it could be that they're tolerating not being comfortable in their skin. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people tolerate what other people think more than how they're feeling in their skin. So, Again, there's a 360 degree of what are the things that could be tolerating in any given moment. We, there are as many tolerations as there are human beings on the planet, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. All right. So you know, you've been on this journey working with lots of people on this concept. And the concept started for you when you were nine. When did it become something that, that you had the preponderance of evidence for, that you were like, okay, I'm going to take this message into the world in a bigger way? It was when I was asked, uh, in 2014, I was asked to do a TED Talk, and I refused because it, um, it wasn't part of my, it wasn't on my bucket list. Let's put it this way. I know how much time it requires to prepare something like this. And over the years, uh, I, I, I had a very big vision of impacting a million entrepreneurs by a certain date. And then I, I thought to myself, a, TED, a TEDx would actually help me advance the needle there. So let's do that. So the moment that I decided to do and prepare and, and create a TEDx, that's where all these things uh, all came into play a lot more and all the pieces got aligned. The puzzle started taking shape. But many years before that in my work, I, I have thousands of evidence of employers not happy with their employees' performance. Yet mm -hmm. what happened there? They were tolerating them arriving late. They were tolerating them not wearing the attire that was supposed to be attire. So in business, wherever we go, 
around disappointments or lack of performance or something around displeased employees or employers, we can always link that back to someone tolerating something somewhere. And that TED talk really got me to put this in place more concretely. You know, I'm starting to believe that that is the power of taking on a TEDx talk is the amount of clarity that comes from for, you know, preparation and putting the pieces together. Uh, that was certainly my experience. And so I'm glad to hear that it was also yours. This is perhaps the most powerful place that you can stand is when you realize that by saying yes to something that you knew was gonna take a lot of time, was going to be potentially difficult, but that simple statement led you to the clarity around this topic. Now, what's life like when you have zero tolerance? You know, it's, I'm glad you're asking me that because a lot of people think that I'm someone who probably doesn't have a lot of patience, that it ha doesn't have a lot of compassion, and that's not true at all. <laughs> um, first of all, what you just said here about the clarity of TEDx, I call those things catalyst tasks, right? It's a task that is the catalyst for something so much greater and deeper. So TEDx was definitely a catalyst task for me in this subject. Um, the life of zero tolerance um, is a life that is very conscious. I'm very conscious with my decisions. I'm conscious when I say yes to something. What, what are the reasons that I'm saying yes to? What are the benefits for everyone involved? It has to be, it has to have a triple, triple win-win, triple bottom line. I'm also very conscious to what I'm saying no to. And it's very, it's a life of hell, yes or no. So if something, if an opportunity is not a hell yes for me, for whatever reason, I will, and it matters to me, then I will do what it takes to make it a hell yes for everyone involved. So that there is less things that I am tolerating and that is dimming my bulb. Because if my bulb is dim, I'm gonna dim a whole bunch of other bulbs around me. And so it's a life of consciousness. It's a life of being able to say yes when I really mean to say yes, being honest and very clear in my communication as Brene Brown said it very well and I don't know if she said it first, but clear is kind. So communicating clearly, saying what I mean to say uh, some people say to me, what did you mean by that being between the lines? I don't have in between lines. I say what I mean and mean what I say. Mm. So that is, I also have many tattoos, but one of them says, happiness is when what I think, say, and do are in harmony. Uh -huh. So for me, a life of zero tolerance, and that doesn't mean I don't tolerate anything ever. There are tolerations. I'm just very aware of them. And then I either accept that it is, therefore it's no longer a toleration, or I do something about it, therefore it's no longer a toleration, right? So I do have a list of things that I tolerate and I tend to bust things to take them for and fix them, whether it's something to be fixed that's not working, whether it's a, a tough or brave conversation I need to have, whether it's 
saying no after I've already said yes. Like sometimes when you think you have to come back and go, hmm, sometimes when I hang up, I go, oh, I think I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent clear. Let's call back or let's communicate back and reiterate and be clear. So it's a simple life because it's honest. It's conscious, as conscious as I can be, knowing that there's always a next level of consciousness. And mainly, it's about continually aligning what I think, what I say, and what I do. Continually aligning what you think, what you say, and what you do. So one of the places that I'm hearing that you are um, living in or being zero tolerant of is doing the, it's having things in your life that pull you out of alignment between what you think, what you say, and what you do. Mm -hmm. So you don't tolerate things that pull you out of that, or at least not for long is kind of the sense I get. Not for long. You're right. You know, uh, in, in, in life, things can take us away from our alignment and they, we can take a total detour journeys. Mm-hmm. And this, in that journey, there's a beautiful journey there as well, right? So it's not just, I'm not saying control everything in your life. I'm saying be in the moment with what is and either accept what is and be okay with it or change it so that you and the people around you are happier with it, right? It's not just about me. It's about the people in my life. It's about my community. It's about my family. Um, and the proofs, uh, millions, uh, literally thousands of proofs of every time there's something for me that pulls me away from my alignment. There are times where I'm going to say something and then I'm going to think, was I in complete alignment with what I wanted to say here? Or did I, did I derive a little bit to sugarcoat it or, you know, a lot. So what that means is I have a lot of internal dialogues around, am I being honest? Am I being real? Um, Mm. Am I being in alignment with what I want? And when there is a journey that takes us away, there's a difference between being curious about where something is going to take you and knowing that you're going there in in misalignment with what, with who you are. That's well said. There there is a difference between being curious to see where something's going to take you yeah. And being and going knowingly in misalignment. That's right. Um, and I just experienced that with was what I was talking about right before our session about the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. I had been handed this idea that the society could fill this need for real-time data. And we could petition, you know, and get support around peer prevention programs. And that all sounded really good. And then I was not taking action on what I needed to do to put the website in place and to put the, the videos into the email. And I wasn't taking, and I was like, why am I not in action? Because I'm usually in action and that's my normal state. And it wasn't until actually this morning mm. that I got it. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. That's not what this society's about. Mm. It sounded good and certainly it's needed. And I'm hoping somebody else picks it up because the data is two years out of date by the time the Center for Disease Control publishes it most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they make exceptions, but, but you know, pretty much. The reality is though that that's not my problem to fix. 
my problem to fix is this one. It's about normalizing the conversations. It's about pulling together the people like you who can take something that sounds so negative, zero tolerance, <laughs> and, and turn it into such a powerful force in people's lives. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it. If this had been entitled how to get how to stop worrying yeah it's not your personality or mine and we would not have made it this far that's yes. right <laughs> we have to interrupt right yeah you, you have to pick curiosity interrupt and go what what could she possibly be for non-tolerance zero tolerance come on we you said it in the intro right where we are in the world where tolerating and being helpful and that it means all that but it means all that in an aligned way and we're all different for re for good reasons. And what you, how you view something versus how I view something, that's the beauty when we're able to communicate that authentically and in alignment, and it, it, then magic happens, right? And in organizations, Jackie, it's the same thing. Organizations have manifestos. We have culture codes, right? We have core values. What are core values? They're not just beautiful words to write on a website and just have it there for the viewing. Core There's values, a lot of mission statements that are just that. I'll tell you, uh, and at Liebzone, mission statement is a swear word. The F word isn't though, but mission, mission statement is a swear word because we don't, we don't care for mission statements. Mission statements gather dust on a shelf. We care that people are on a mission. And same thing with core values. When you have clear, aligned core values that are not just beautiful things, core values, it, it gives you the North Star that everybody needs in the family, in the organization, in the community to be, to have an, to be in alignment with. When I go off alignment, how do I know that I'm off alignment? Because I know that I am not being or living what makes me me and what makes me feel like i'm in flow like i'm i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing and i'm doing it in the way that actually makes a difference on this planet right mm. gee you know i'm sorry that you're not more passionate or enthusiastic <laughs> i know i know it's the end of the day it's been a big one <laughs> <laughs> All right, so keep, keeping on this theme and, and moving this through because I, I keep coming back to the idea of your incredible grace around this topic for all that you're edgy and you know in people's faces on it. This power of understanding what a core value is and what an individual's core values really are. What are the top 10 core values that people don't know they have? Well, that's a good one. Uh, people always talk about authenticity and uh, they, there's always the, the very few core values that always come by on the table yet what our work is is to help people make those unique to them so i will answer in just a second i just want to give you yeah. a little so 
you know, one of our core values is walking our talk. Now that to me is accountability. And most people rarely talk about our accountability in their core values, yet they, when people are not accountable around them, they will become red in the face and annoyed as hell, and they will feel like, because core values are, you hire based on core values, you also fire based on core values. And you don't just hire employees and fire employees, you can also gain friends and also get rid of friends that are not in alignment with your core values. So for me, accountability is huge. It's one that is not often talked about, yet often in misalignment without knowing so. So I, I have someone that used to be a, a yoga teacher of mine. This woman, every time she said, I will call you, I will do this, I will get this done later, 100% of the time, it was not getting done. <sighs> core and, and accountability and walking our talk is the top core value of mine truly. And so for me, I started saying, we'll see, we'll see. And, but this was a total blind side, blind spot for her, complete blind spot. If you had talked to her, she would have said, I'm fully accountable. Yet for many years, not just a couple of conversations here, many years, 100% of the time, the experience of me, I can't speak for other people, but the experience of me with her was 100% never accountable. So this could never, at some point, I just went, I'm not going to have these types of conversation with this person because it's, it's getting my knickers in a knot. <laughs> and I don't need that. I really don't. <laughs> So accountability is one of them. Self-responsibility is another one that is pretty rarely on, on people's uh, uh, core values, which is often misaligned with or, or in, a, in a feud with themselves internally. You know, working with, wait, wait, wait. What's self the difference between accountability and self-responsibility? Mm, self-responsibility is when you, in, in my opinion anyways, is when, let's say I make a mistake or I'm late. I'm going to say, that's me, that's my fault, or it's, it's my responsibility. I dropped the ball on that. I'm sure you've, we've all here, anybody listening, we've all met people who they're always blaming others. It's always others' fault. It's, it's never about themselves. I believe that we attract the good, the bad, and the ugly in our lives. I believe that I'm responsible. When I get a cold, well, I believe that I probably did something. I overextended myself. I worked too hard to compromise my immune system. And why is it that that bug never got it? This is probably not a good conversation in COVID time, but... <laughs> You know, but ultimately, I certainly don't want to, people to, I don't want to have a thousand emails telling me I did not bring a bond upon COVID on myself. Um, I'm just explaining self-responsibility. Self-responsibility is when I know what I'm accountable for and I am responsible for it. I believe that I do not blame others. I am always responsible for what is going on here. So I take most responsibility and in, in a team, having someone who's saying, you know what, that's me, I'll take care, I'll fix it versus, oh, that's because such and such happened and so and so did that. Well, that's much harder, you know, to, to work with team players that way. So accountability, I will say what I, I will do what I say I will do. 
-hmm. and I will do it when I said I was going to do it. Self-responsibility is, you know, it is my responsibility to be accountable for myself, for my actions and for what I bring upon. Cool. All right. So those are two. What's another one? So accountability, self-responsibility. What's another one that is should should often be or, or is desired, but rarely there? That's that was your question, right? Should be in the core values. No, what are the big core values that you don't see that people have or they 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 actually have, but they don't think to put them on their list? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are two definite big ones. Another one that I don't see often that people have in um, is the, the level of happiness. So a core value could be that we wholeheartedly believe. So core values are communicated by we make life better because we wholeheartedly believe before your core values. If you say we make life better because we wholeheartedly believe it becomes more about what you believe rather than what you would like to see. Right. So level of happiness. I believe I wholeheartedly believe that my happiness is not more important than my team's happiness. And it's when you're working with a team and you have a triple bottom line in mind, meaning, you know, the planet is doing better, your community is doing better, your employees are doing better, and yourself within your culture is happy and doing better. That is key. And more and more, we're going to see that more and more in companies' core values and people's core values, the level of joy and the level of happiness. And it is proven that when people are happy and experience more joy, they're better at work. They oh. do better in their everywhere. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Happiness and joy are two key indicators of performance, productivity, passion, um, parenting. I mean, you know, it's, it's something that is so missed and misunderstood that it's like the oxygen mask. You know, put your mask on first, take care of your own happiness and joy first. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Cool. All right. So those are three big ones, happiness and joy. And not just for yourself, but you take care of yourself first and then you take care of your community and then you take care of the world. What's another one? Making life better, making life better, wholeheartedly believing that what we're doing can make life better and we're doing it to make life better. Uh, gone are the days where anybody or companies or organizations are all about profit anymore. The, the consciousness, the raise of consciousness in organizations is at an all time high in terms of need. It's very needed nowadays. We, ah. we talked about that 20 years ago, my partner and I, and I'm sure that there's plenty of people in your community who have been talking about this consciousness in business for years. And it is now starting. It used to be talked about. Now it's starting to be actualized. We're starting to see that organizations are more about their, their business model is designed to make life better for everyone, not just their own bank accounts, right? So making life better is another big one that is, um, it, 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 it helps teams get aligned to do so much more 
so much more that they could ever have thought about. And you know, core values, what I, what I was saying earlier about it allows you to hire and fire because of misalignment. Years ago, we had a very, very challenging client and one of our core values was fun. Another one was level of happiness. Another one was of course accountability. And um, we had seven core values. And one of our employees at some point in one of our team meetings, we had team meetings every day, said to me, Isabel, why is it that we're still working with this client? They violate five of our seven core values. And I said, you're absolutely right. They're complete hell to work with. And I will tell you why, because your leader doesn't have the guts to let them go. Your leader is thinking about the team and is thinking about you know, the salaries and, and, and keeping the lights on. That, I forgot to mention, that client represented 75% of our revenue at the time. Ooh, Ooh yeah, details. That, that's just a little detail. It's a little detail that's super important, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and, I, and he said, yeah, and in thinking of the team, none of us are happy working with this client. And I'm like, I'm very aware. And I was, I had been trying to replace this client for a while, and then another big lesson. I realized that in order to gain something new, you have to let go of something. So I've let go of the client. I was trying to replace the client, right? Swap, tit for tat. But no, I had to let go and take a leap of faith. And literally three days, I'd been trying to replace this client for a good six months. Three days after I let them go, there was a beautiful opportunity, which Jackie, I would not have been able to see had I still been in this chain of difficulty and tolerating and worry and un unhappiness with this client, for sure. <laughs> I'm like going, did you record that phone call? I would so love to have been a fly on the wall. When well, I will tell you, it was, it was phenomenal. And I, I've, I gave them three months. Initially, I gave them three months to actually shape up or ship out. And they did not think that I was going to do it because they knew how big they were for us. So they thought that at the end of three months, if they didn't shape, uh, shape up, they didn't think I would have had the guts to let them go. And I definitely did. And um, we let them go. And three days later, boom, we had an amazing replacement client, which of course, and that was all due to core values. And the reason why we're, I was tolerating for keeping the lights on, for keeping my team intact, for I was tolerating. I have never tolerated that much with a client ever, ever again. That was a big lesson. That's really amazing. I super, super appreciate you for all that you are doing, for the clarity you have on toleration and how core values play into what we tolerate and our lack of awareness of our core values. So having this list of the core values that people might have, but they don't put on their list, mm -hmm. that they don't put in public view. Correct. Yeah. Um, I finally, finally overcame a huge toleration in myself when I went from trying to walk my talk to only talking my walk. Nice. And that saves me so much angst. I'm not perfect at it. But the experience of, I don't have to play catch up with my actions to what I just said. Yeah. You know, 
that lack of stress just made such a huge shift for me. And I still am not clear on what my core values are, but what I am clear on is how grateful I am that you were willing to share your time with us and to bring your expertise to this call. And oh my God, what you have put together for everyone who's here, I just am amazed. And so I'm going to let Katie put the link in, but you, you call it becoming a better influencer. I love things that have numbers. So a three-part formula, really, really quickly. Three parts. What is the three parts? Oh, I'm not sharing that here. No, you have to. Darn. It's too good. You have to go. Otherwise you will. No, you have to listen and watch. First of all, it's really entertaining. And no matter what you are doing in your life, whether it's parenting or having a team or, you know, working with peers, I guarantee you this three-part formula will, and I, I talk about before a conversation, during a conversation, and after the conversation, uh, any type of difficult or pivotal or influential conversation, this formula will change the way you think, and it will change the way you prepare for things, and it will definitely make you uh, a greater, a more impactful, influential person, no matter what you're doing in your life. I loved it. And of course, you know, I love the attitude. So ignore this free masterclass at your own risk. That's right. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, that's the Isabel attitude. And I so <laughs> appreciate that about you because there's no doubt that this is the authentic Isabel. There's no sugarcoating. There's no, you know, I, I've got something in my attitude that you might not like, so I'm not going to share it. And it is such a beautiful example of what we can evolve into when we have zero tolerance for what's misaligned with our values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And please remember, if anything to remember, happiness is when what I think, what I say and what I do are in harmony. And you said it, Jackie, I'm not perfect in it. Me neither. You know, I work at this every day. But every day when I'm not in alignment, I can feel it. And then I just, I have a short elastic, right? The elastic is not months and months and months and miles away. It's like, I've, I've nailed it to being just a little bit misaligned and then boom, coming back to alignment. You know, there's someone who told me, Jackie, the problem with most people, especially business owners, is that they're not willing to be uncomfortable for 10 minutes they'd rather tolerate things. And then they were talking about, you know, they're not willing to be uncomfortable for the 10 minutes it would take to end the problem. And the worst part about that, you're absolutely right, but they're willing to be uncomfortable and unhappy, unhappy for years to avoid an uncomfortable 10 minute conversation. That's, yeah. that's the truth right there. And I will tell you this unhappiness for years creates cancer. Well, I'm a firm believer in that worry, especially worry about money, is the root of all disease, whether it's dis-ease or disease. And so you're right. This ability to tolerate, it's not a muscle you want to strengthen, people. No. no. Better to go to the zero-tolerance side and be edgy and upset people than to tolerate anything that you can avoid. And I loved your solution. If I'm tolerating something, I'm either going to fix it 
or I'm going to accept it if I can't let it go. Yeah. And, and there are things we don't want to let go that we have to tolerate. Yeah. My, my guy and his tendency to spread paper everywhere. <laughs> I don't want to let go of my guy. So I can either fix it, which I tried for many, many years. I don't have that skill set. So I've had to learn to accept it. And now we negotiate around it a little bit. Yeah, like it has to stay contained in. I haven't gotten my my dining room table back yet, but I did reclaim the dining room a few years. I was a living room. I haven't reclaimed yet. and, oh and my it's bad. but yeah, this is this is where I see the application of this as being just so lovely. And I really, really, really appreciate it as well. You're welcome. And of course, my TEDx talk, you can find it at leapsonstrategies.com slash TEDx talks. And there's a 22 minute on this particular subject explained with beautifully with a, with a bow wrapped. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. there we go. So you can get the full version, not the version according to Jackie's interview, but the full version at, at their website. <laughs> All right, Isabel, you do that so well. And Katie, of course, is on it. She's already dropped your website into the chat for everybody. Love having a team. <sighs> thank you, Isabel. You're very welcome. And thank you for what you guys are doing. It is much needed on this beautiful planet of ours. We want people to stay.